0: Welcome to Dynasty Life. I am Theo Greminger. Redraft leagues and best ball leagues end, but Dynasty is life. And I'm joined today by a good friend of mine and one of my more respected uh, you know, people I enjoy talking Dynasty with, Alan Sislowski. Alan is one of the co-hosts with Matt Kelly and I on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Uh, we're going to be actually recording a week from now, Alan. And Alan's also turning out just incredible content every single week at Roto-Wire.
1: Alan, welcome to Dynasty Life. How are you doing today, my man? I like the vibe of this show. Of all your shows, I like this vibe. I like the uh, the sort of the Asian ninja font of Dynasty Life. I like you. You're very relaxed on this show. It's almost like you feel no pressure. You're just being you. And that energy, you know, that comes on to me a little bit. So I feel very relaxed. That and I've had a I- gummy.
0: I love it. I love it. Alan is loose getting after it. Gummies at 1038 on the East Coast. Uh Alan, I wanted to uh I first of all I'd like to clarify. I was going kind of like Game of Thrones kind of vibe. Yeah. Okay, but, I like it. Yeah, I can I can get it, but I think I think really dynasty podcasting in general, it's less of like a sense of urgency. It's more of a long-term look at things. Whereas, you know, a redraft, a redraft, you know, content this time of year, you feel like Pressure to get it right with the week, and certainly this time of year in dynasty, we have that kind of pressure because we want to win money and we want to win championships. But it's more of a long-term uh, outlook. It's more of a continually trying to get my roster better type mentality. Um, it's it's it has different like complexities than than redraft. So yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I do enjoy. I think I really enjoy discussing uh, dynasty content. You know, wherever I can. And uh, yeah, I love talking about it with you. I mean, I think it was a year ago at this time uh, we were we were discussing like the upcoming draft class, and we were having arguments like Kenneth Walker versus Bijan Robinson. Dynasty things change so rapidly. I think that's uh, and just being able to kind of gauge players falling, players rising, knowing which players to stash, and kind of spotting those values that maybe. There is fear in the dynasty community, but you can identify a guy that you think is going to provide value. I mean, I love those sort of challenges, but um wanna kind of give you a chance. Why don't you tell everybody about the dynasty content you're doing right now at Rotowire? Well,
1: I just wanna kind of make a comment first on what you said is that I it's so funny you say that that you think like dynasty is relax and long term view, because that's what I used to always think too. But I'm seeing now and now uh, now more than ever that dynasty is almost played like DFS. Like what can you do for me this week? Right? Like sure. Maybe in the off season and startup season, we're, we're doing crazy things like taking young, unproven players over like the Keenan Allen's and in Mike Evans, who just year after year win us leagues. But I mean, man, it's in all the leagues I'm in. I'm in 41 dynasty leagues. By the way, I need to cut back. This is just, too out of control with the 41 it's it's making me have diarrhea and like stomach burns and every week it's just setting lineups as nuts i'm sure you can you know attest to that you do it as well but I, people are just like hey man I, i'm willing to trade away justin herbert and tear down to like you know jared goff plus just because i need to win a dynasty championship i, I just think the dfs mentality and by the way i like it i like that there's a, a faction of dynasty players that are just like, hey, I'm willing to cede value to him because that's how dynasty trades are made. There's always the long-term view guys, and then there's always the short-term view guys. And without both, we don't have any trading. We don't have any parity in our league. So I'm here for it. Now, do you have anything before I use? Yeah, I was just going to. No, I,
0: I I love that. And mm-hmm. uh, I this week I traded for a Justin Herbert. I gave up. I gave Four. up a, a pretty pretty decent uh, amount. I gave up Brock Purdy and Zach Wilson in a very very deep. Uh, Superflex format. I still feel like I slightly won that one. I think that Purdy's a little bit closer to elite than a lot of people give him credit because, you know, what, why is he going to fall off next year? But anyway, a chance to add a, a Justin Herbert. Um, but then on the flip side, yeah, man, I'm chasing it. I have another league where I traded for Joe Flacco in a Superflex league because we're stuck at quarterback. We're chasing the money. We're in the playoffs and we got to go after it wherever we could. And it was came down to a Desmond Ritter, versus Joe Flacco situation and my partner on that team Dan Williamson of the goat district was like let's go get some Flacco I said you know what YOLO baby let's go get some uh some Joe Flacco so I think we gave up Easton Stick in a 2024 third rounder to go get Joe Flacco for a three-week stretch it's By so opposite hey, extremes of that
1: Easton Stick is that not a great name for like a an adult film star
0: it's it's a very very odd it's a very very odd name but I, I was you know last night he ends up you know with the garbage time touchdown he ends up with more touchdown passes uh, than Kenny Pickett at any point of his career I'll give uh, Scott Connor a shout out um,
1: for that stat but you know I'll Easton, still take Kenny Pickett for the rest of his career
0: oh a million percent I'll take, <laughs> I'll take Kenny Pickett over Easton Stick and a, a big shout out to our friends at Dynasty Trades and Five in the in the chat highly recommend their content. Uh, Clay and Shane and Scott are just killing it this offseason and all year long. Um, But Alan, you know, I want to try to get into it because one question that I ask everybody um, is, you know, you put a lot of time and energy into your dynasty rankings and your process in the offseason. We spent countless uh, hours on Sonic Truth podcast discussing players. Which player was kind of the biggest positive surprise for you?
1: Uh, besides Puka Nakua, that's just a cheap cop out. You're not going right. to do that to us. So, oh, we're starting with the positive. I, I like to go negative. Yeah. Not, no, let's time. go positive first. Yeah.
0: Keep it positive.
1: Yeah. I mean, that surprises like uh, players that I didn't think would perform up to the level uh, that they actually did was, you I'll start with one that might surprise you here is like Jameer Gibbs, right? Like we all have these high expectations for him, right? And then he went on a stretch of just like he wasn't producing. No one gave up on Jameer Gibbs, but. He became <laughs> he became viable, I actually was able to get him in a league cheaper than he would ever go now. So that was a good surprise because I was like, man, maybe he's just like this 12, 13 point guy, um, you know, in PPR. He's going to be always be the one B. And then he surprised me, he took off. I mean, you know, I, I think in most credible dynasty rankings, including player profilers, he's going to be top five, three, something like that. I could even see him as high as two if you wanted to. I mean, right now, if somebody wanted to have him on their dynasty roster over Bijan Robinson, I wouldn't tell you you're, you're completely wrong. Also, how could you not talk about tank Dell? I mean, tank Dell before the injury, he was being traded as like wide receiver 11 on the open market. And obviously reality cold water gets splashed in your face when the injury hits and But next year, I expect him to be like a late third round pick and redraft. And certainly uh, if he comes back healthy and has a good offseason, there's going to be people taking him inside the top 12 or 14 wide receivers in Dynasty League. So those guys and then the last one, Theo, the last like positive guy was I was really um, I didn't understand like the absolutist that Jordan Love was going to be bad. The guy was a first round pick. Um, he had had years to kind of mature as a player and I didn't think he was going to end up being like a top five, um, you know, fantasy football player, but I mean, I guess I'm a little surprised that now I I don't know if surprise is the word, but I'm glad he worked out because it's, he's no longer going to be being traded as like the 20th best quarterback. Like he is locked in more so than Daniel Jones, I would say, as far as long-term job security. So that's a positive surprise.
0: No, I, I love I love your answers. Um, you know, I think Rashad White would have been one of them up to our running back four. Didn't surprise uh, us. Rashad. No, it didn't surprise us. And I'll say this, uh, but I, I didn't predict RB4. Like, you know, our, R- Rashad White being up here, um, you know, even though I have a ton of him in Dynasty and, and we ranked him pretty highly at player profile versus consensus, we were positive on him on the Sonic Truth podcast. I really think, like, the deeper we get into the season – He's he's one of the po- more positive surprises, and there's people who still you know want to talk about how bad Rashad White is, and it's like, hey man, you know, like that ship has sailed. We don't we don't play regular football. You want to poke holes in people's games, go ahead. But at the end of the day, it's about the stat line you put up in fantasy football, and Rashad White's doing it, you know, pretty much every single week. Um, and I love your Tank Dell uh, discussion. Like, what an unfortunate thing to have Tank Dell go down. I actually think that that sort of insulates his redraft value a little bit. Um, because I think as much as people want to take a bird's eye view and take a step back and, and look at like the season as a whole, there's always a little bit of recency bias when a guy goes down with injury. And then, you know, in the in the chat, like Permar points out, 24 years old, Houston could also bring in another wide receiver. I think he's a little more insulated um than than some might think. Like I don't think there's a is, chance that there's a guy hey, that's yo, gonna
1: it's, be is twenty four old?
0: 24 is not old, but 24 <laughs> for, for a rookie is, is slightly, you know, we're going to hit that age apex a little later, but you know, the HH pick for wide receiver. We got to throw that out the window a little bit. I mean, Devante yeah. Adams last night, Devante comes out of nowhere. If you, if you have Devonte Adams, in a, in a dynasty league right now,
1: you're not really worried about his age. You're thinking about yeah. the number he put up last night. Yeah, I was just going to say, though, a lot of times we draft 20-year-old rookies like JSN or 21, and then we have to wait a year or two. Traylon Burks, right? Like, we're still waiting. We're still waiting. And by the time they're 23 to 25, they finally hit. And we're like, great, we got a, a nice young wide receiver that could last us, you know, four to five years. Dell already hit. Forget, you know, like, he is—I It. it I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence— that sometimes these older wide receivers that are rookies hit quicker if they're going to hit because they're further along in their development, their maturity. You know, and I know like in dynasty, we always want the age 12 breakout age, right? You know, it's like the prepubescent breakout age, but when you have Cooper cup, when you have, isn't Puka Nakua even a drop older as well, right? I mean, yeah. it's not, yeah, it's not, it's have,
0: not young, young,
1: right? And you have Tank Dell. when these guys show you who they are right away in the NFL, believe it. Like no, the rookie tag no longer applies. It's like he might as well have been in the NFL for two or three years already.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an interesting, interesting one to look at quick question from our friend, Jason, Allwine. Uh Jason is also the host of wake and take highly recommend it um, on every single weekday here at player profiler. Uh, Jason wants to know Nico Collins or tank Dell in dynasty. I think for me, it's a, the whole idea that they're the exact same age, um, doesn't really matter as much to me I've seen Nico Collins have a lot more opportunities in the NFL early in his career and I know that there's been poor quarterback play with him but for what Tank Dell was able to do like right away as a pro this is easily Tank Dell for me and that being said like I like Nico Collins a lot I'd like to have him on a number of dynasty rosters but this is still uh Tank Dell quite easily for me where are you at on this one Alan
1: yeah, those guys are going to be ranked back to back in most dynasty rankings. There's really not a big distinction. Uh, Tank Dell, the big play guy, but Nico Collins. You know, it's kind of funny what I'm about. He's hurt right now, but he's probably the more durable guy, just size and all that. You know, could see Tank. Like if Tank Dell has another injury next year, everyone's going to be, like, eee, you know, it's it's going to be like he's too small. Is that so? Back to back depends on what your flavor is. Nico profiles as the more week to week consistent guy, and then obviously. Uh, if you like exploit it depends also if I'd rather have like tank Dell, if my other two wide receivers are going to be a little bit more stable and I'd rather have Nico Collins, if I have some like quote upside other guys, but you're going to have to take them both early. So um, there, I have no distinction. Like I'll take whatever one comes to me, but if I'm on the clock and they're both there, how can you not take tank Dell? I mean, come on. Yeah,
0: is- no, hundred percent. And then on the flip side of that, Alan, like we talk, we have guys that we get excited about in the off season or whether we're or not they're a target for us in our to on our dynasty rosters, we think, oh hey, this guy's gonna have a really, really strong season. Who would be kind of your bigger disappointment uh when you look at, you know, kind of your evaluation process this past offseason? By the way, you
1: never told me who was your biggest
0: surprise? I think at this Positive. point it's I, I think at this point, even though I was bullish on him, it was Rashad White because yeah. I looked at Rashad White more as a you know, locked in high-end RB2, maybe low-end RB1, he'd sneak in there. He's going to easily finish there. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a top five running back. And and uh, he's actually RB2, I think, over like the last eight weeks, um, which is just wild. So for me, I think it's Rashad White. And yeah. I know that there's a number of names I could have picked that were like more like out of nowhere. I think Jake Ferguson is a really nice surprise. It's a guy I want to talk to you a little about, a yeah. bit about and later then- in the show. Yeah, in but, the running uh,
1: back world, though. Yeah. Like, you know, just, and I'll answer your question, but in running back world, no one, if you want to do like guys that we liked that even, exceeded that i mean there's a whole list of them there's there's travis etn there's alvin Kamara. there's a bunch of those guys so yeah, know i i like the vibe that you're uh, kicking off there but as far as disappointment to me it's so obvious i just made video after video piece of content and again I didn't, I didn't do this thing like you need to have christian watson on every single team but like i'm just yeah i'm just upset that it didn't work out I, i'll take the l i'll you know i'll do whatever it's and hit christian watson deontay johnson man those two guys i was like Nobody is like sure on them. So I was like, I'm going to run to that. They produced in the past. It's just they've both been disappointments uh, to where I thought. And that's not a sexy name, Deontay Johnson. If you play in a league that starts two receivers and a flex, like Deontay Johnson's just floating on your bench. But you know, these sicko dynasty leagues that we all play in that a lot of the player profiler audience plays in where. That You know, there's three receivers, four flex to this, this, you know, know. it's like Deontay Johnson's like a good asset to have, but those eight for 80s every week, it just haven't been happening. Christian Watson, man, it it was starting up again. I was like, yes, this is going to work out. But then uh, he gets injured. So two years in a row now with the the injuries that have kind of derailed the season this year, I really paid the freight in past years. Like you were just like, oh, great. In your rookie draft. I got Christian Watson at the two hundred two at the one hundred ten that you weren't really paying the premium. So yeah, that I would say those two guys, man. It's just um a lot of my teams have them. So the teams that haven't worked out usually have a combo of those two guys. you.
0: Yeah, Christian Watson was also extremely disappointed because you had the recent production where it looked like he was going to kind of salvage some things, and if you were able able to kind of weather the storm throughout the season. And your team was kind of still in contention to, you know, and again, the whole notion of, hey, my draft was ruined by Christian Watson. No, it wasn't. You know, anybody who's trying to blame their season in redraft on your fourth or fifth round pick. Um, no, it wasn't. You you did a bad job. You didn't hit the waiver wire hard enough. You failed in other rounds. Don't don't put it on on one guy. But certainly Christian Watson was coming on right. late. Yeah. And uh, Deontay Johnson is going to lose a ton of value. He'd already lost value last offseason. And I think he's going to lose a lot more value value this season. Like, we're not diving too hard into, you know, rookies yet. But this class is special at the wide receiver position. You've already mentioned, you know, there's like eight wide receivers uh, that are currently rookies. You take over Deontay Johnson. Um, and then you have these guys coming in the next class, plus the production drop-off. Yeah, that's a very, very disappointing one. And people looked at him as, like, such a safe play. Uh, he really, really crushed people. Because unlike Watson, you rarely got any sort of spike weeks. And, in fact, you had, like, no spike weeks. I think he had one really huge week, and that's it. And now it's he's unplayable, really, in the fantasy playoffs. Um, you know, it's not
1: his fault that it's Mitch Trubisky. But still, Deontay's lost a ton of value. Trubisky's actually good for Deontay Johnson, right? Like he, yeah, he, he likes does, him. Yeah, he does like him. So... You know, in this leagues where I'm where I did make it through, where I'm forced to play Deontay Johnson. Uh, But Pittsburgh is not going to really go back to the wide receiver. Well, I mean, they're they're pretty set with Pickens. and, you know, say what you will about him. You have uh, Deontay's there, uh, you know, the tight end Pat Fryermuth, And, you know, I think this team is pretty much set. I can't see them adding more weaponry. So Deontay's not dead. But yeah, man, he's falling to that. I I would be shocked if he stays inside the top twenty eight. Dynasty receivers. I mean, you get down to that point, right? You know, he might even fall to like thirty-six because there's going to be sexier options. So I'll be back in on both of these guys because I can't imagine that. I mean, they're just going to fall, fall, fall. And I saw somebody in the chat say something about like, yeah, they're going to be back on Christian Watson. The upside's there. I just now I need the injury discount. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not going to be bullish. I took him over like Cooper Cup in a startup last year, which. Again, you could argue, is that good or bad? Who knows? And uh, yeah, so that hasn't uh, worked out. Um, disappointment for you. Who, who's really sank a lot of your, your teams, by the way? I'm just curious. You know, it's interesting because a guy who
0: has failed to put up numbers is one that I'm very bullish on still in Dynasty. But I think I have to look at Jalen Waddle a little bit because I have him on so many rosters. Um, and he was a little bit you know disappointing in terms of his production this year. I don't have really worries about him long term, but there was a lot of weeks where he wasn't really giving you a, a, a usable number. Um, that was very disappointing. And then I'll I'll take it to the quarterback position. Wait, wait,
1: think why why guess what? Jalen Waddle is wide receiver what on the on the redraft year? Take a guess. Wide receiver like twenty seven? Twenty six, man. You're pretty good at this. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, I, I I check my I check my uh my you know PPR scores regularly. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah it's it's like Jalen Waddell, he could still blow up the next couple of weeks, but um and it's interesting because if Tyreek Hill's injury provides him more opportunities, I think like you know, people are gonna kind of forget about the the you know the the production we've seen this year. But that was disappointing for me. And I'll say maybe the biggest disappointment was Trevor Lawrence. Because I think a lot of us were betting on him to take a a step forward this year. And in fact, he lost a lot of dynasty value. And there were also, there were teams where people thought they had sort of a a win now team with Trevor Lawrence, where it was kind of anything but, because he didn't give you that edge this year uh, with spike weeks. I think that he kind of, you know, came back a little bit into the, yeah, he's still a a quarterback one, but you're not nearly as excited about him um, as you were, you know, before the season.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that Trevor Lawrence, um, I'm not sure he lost dynasty value as rather than he didn't gain what we thought, so he lost in your mind because a lot of well, a lot of us- before well not to interrupt you but be, you know before the year
0: C J Stroud easily behind Trevor Lawrence, uh, Anthony Richardson for a lot of people had him you know pretty much on the same tier. Now I'm taking Anthony Richardson ahead of Trevor Lawrence, so it's yeah to me he lost value because I think people were looking at him as close to the truly elite tier where he's not. To me, he's more of like a back end QB one level player where he's got the long term stability, but I don't think he provides that sort of spike. Uh, You know, I think we've already seen maybe the ceiling for him in terms of the quarterback rankings. I mean, I could see him getting up to like a QB five season. I don't think he's going to ever challenge to be a QB one overall. And I think that there were people this year that were very sharp in redraft and in dynasty thinking that, hey, Calvin Ridley's there, we have Christian Kirk, we have Zay Jones, we have Evan Ingram, we have Travis Etienne, Doug Peterson, year two. This is the year that like Trevor Lawrence is going to be kind of cheat code for me in redraft. He's like the last high, high upside guy. And in Dynasty, people just felt fantastic about him, especially with the year
1: two leap he had. So to me, I think Trevor Lawrence was absolutely a big disappointment. Disappointment, yes, but I don't think that I. I think that in our minds, the psycho the psychology of the dynasty player, we said, okay, this is the guy that can get into that elite tier. That the the big three could become a big four uh, with with Trevor Lawrence, and it didn't happen. But look what happened last week, right? Like if you have him, if you have QB options, you might have benched him. You probably didn't weren't able to get the fantasy points, but he was coming off like high ankle sprain where he was iffy for the week. Playing like a tough matchup and this guy produced. Man, we see it's not like we haven't seen the ceiling. We're still trying to project it like some other quarterbacks. We're actually seeing the production in spots where we thought he wouldn't produce. Now, the key is to get like if if you have Trevor Lawrence, there's a chance that you did you played him anyway because you didn't have better options. You know, you probably weren't gonna play like Joe Flacco or Jake Browning over him. Maybe you did, and kudos to you. But Trevor Lawrence, you're right. He disappointing because we thought he could take it, but he really hasn't. Yeah. A couple guys moved past him, but he's still in the quarterbacks. I'll put it this way in dynasty startups. He's a first round pick that he didn't lose too much value. Even, you know, even if he moved from pick six to pick nine, he's still in the first round. Yeah. I think it's an
0: interesting argument. You also, this year with Caleb Williams coming into the mix, I think a lot of people are just going to take Caleb Williams uh, in the first round of, of super dynasty startups. Um, so that's yeah, not good business though.
1: That's not good business. You don't want to do is that. it. You I mean you don't want to do it. Di, I mean, have we not learned anything from Trey Lance? Have we not learned anything from go ahead, Theo?
0: I mean, I just I think Caleb's I think Caleb is such a good prospect that I think no it's doubt. okay to do it. Yeah. And his no fantasy doubt, potential
1: is the ability to run. Yeah, I oh I love I mean, no doubt, all this true, but have we not learned a dynasty lesson from the unproven stud prospect? Versus the 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 stable product. I mean, listen, you're right. You want to see you want to see it first, Alan. You want to see it first. No, I don't even see it. I don't. But it's not. There's there's a point, right? Where there's a break point of where QB one, and it doesn't have to be Caleb. Let's say Drake May goes uh, goes number one overall. Then he's you know QB one in a draft class that's the one point one. You're right. There are people that are going to take that player one point five. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's going to happen, but. Uh, there's a dynasty lesson here. And Trey Lance, this happened. Now, again, you can poke holes in Trey Lance now, but go back to that time period, right? Go back to when this was going on. And I'm sure there's many other examples of of a top QB prospect that were first round startups that were going ahead of Russell Wilson when he was in his peak or, you know, and you can go down the line and that was not good business now, overall. Now you could hit, but if, you know, if you're a process bro, <laughs> that's not, you know, I'm with you, man. I, I'm in so many dynasty leagues. I'm, I want some shares of these guys. I want, you know, I want Caleb Williams on my team. Um, But I just think that if you're in one league or in a, an expensive league, you have to really think that through. That's, that's fair.
0: You, you can, you can skip taking them out. If we're in a league together, I'll, I'll take the Caleb Williams and I'll take them <laughs> off your plate. Don't worry Trevor. about it. Uh, and I want to, you know, kind of just curious, you're down in Jacksonville, Florida. So you're down in SEC country. <laughs> are you a college football
1: guy, Alan? Well, it's funny because everyone here is like a like a zealot, like they're in a, a college football cult. And because, you know, I'm from the Northeast. I'm from Long Island like you yeah. are. Originally, I've been down here 10 years. So it's almost like I'm a, an outcast, an outsider. But, you know, I follow. This is the time of year where I get into college football. Like I'm very much looking forward to the Alabama, you know game and all that and I want to see how these players that we're going to draft in our fantasy leagues play when when even the casuals like myself and everyone else are watching when the high pressure games are on
0: are you is that the game you're most excited about in the bowl season Michigan Alabama yes yeah I think for me as well I'm actually interested in randomly I'll I'll take a little bit of interest in that Oregon Liberty game just because everybody thinks Oregon's gonna steamroll them by 60 or something and I think that like I always like those sort of matchups as well but uh you know, highly recommend you checking out the Angel Fire College Bowl pick 'em. Uh it's five thousand dollars if you nail the entire contest. They're guaranteeing at least a thousand dollars first place, and it's a free contest to enter. I joined it, Billy Muzio, uh, the Podfather, Jason Allwine, Alan Sislowski. So a lot of people are in it. It's a lot of fun. Um, wanna get back to kind of last night as well, Alan. You know, the game was wild. It was it was one of the highest scoring performances ever in NFL history. Brandon Raiders, Sterling, yeah, Raiders
1: yeah. and Chargers, you're talking about. Not a whole lot of yeah. We need to clarify that in case you listen to this as a podcast. We're talking about the Chargers Raiders yeah, uh, game. That, this is something that I have to yell at all the Rotowire podcasts as far. Stop mentioning the day. Stop saying yesterday. We all do it. I do it too. But what if I'm watching in uh, you know three days from now? People uh, watch more on the rewatch than they do on the the live watch. So listen,
0: you're you're right about that. So I, the game, not a whole lot of like dynasty takeaways. Like Michael Mayer scores a touchdown. Um, but I think that the biggest takeaway to me. Even in a game where the the game script was there for him to produce big time, Austin Eckler is just dust. Is there Ooh. a bigger is there a bigger loser in redraft value and in dynasty value to be honest than Austin Eckler? Like, do you want him at all on your dynasty rosters, Alan? To me, this is a I don't see it. I think yeah. it's I think it's over. He was fantastic for years, but. The idea of him bouncing back in some major way, like we saw with an Alvin Kamara, I just don't see it. He was already in the ideal situation with a Justin Herbert. Um, you you have the quarterback who's continually passed to him and kind of elevated him um, in a sense with, with just the, the sheer volume of targets. And now if the situation is unknown, I don't see another scenario where Austin Eckler signs with somebody And then gains all this value. Where are you at on him? Am I being too bearish on him?
1: No, I just made a terrible Austin Eckler trade about three weeks ago. I made like one of the worst ones, but I'm going to answer your question. I traded away in Dynasty Superflex, Bryce Young for Austin Eckler. At the time, it looked like it was a good trade because I was going for it. Couldn't start Bryce Young anyway. He was my third quarterback You know, with seven fantasy points, whatever he's getting. I, I couldn't start him. So put Eckler in there, had one big week since. And so bad trade, bad trade, baby. Um I think that- and I'll,
0: I'll, I'll back that up. Were you
1: influenced by the playoff schedule with acquiring Austin Eckler? It was more about, hey, it's a win now, push the chips in. Austin Eckler always produces. He's had a couple down weeks. I talked myself into that. He's like, he, he, he had like a 15 point floor. I, I didn't really care about the schedule because Austin Eckler was really- always uh he he, schedule never really mattered to him he was always going to get his he was always going to get six for 70 uh in through the air or six for 50 plus some running yards and some touchdowns it just you know obviously Justin Herbert wasn't out then so schedule had nothing to do with it for me it was just like hey I need points now from the running back position
0: yeah I think that that's always that's something I talked about in redraft where I think a lot of times chasing the playoff schedule in terms of like your process um you know that's not not something you do but i think a lot of fantasy yeah. managers do that
1: i you'll never look mul- at schedule
0: yeah you'll see multiple articles about like this guy has the greatest playoff schedule um you know i've talked to a lot of people that i, I think are are still very sharp analysts but a lot of people will point out hey this player is going to rebound because of the schedule and the, yeah there's certain teams we can attack like we know washington is going to give up a lot of a lot of passing yards it happens every single week but i think when it comes down to it besides like a few teams like that you can name on one hand we really shouldn't be chasing kind of kind of matchups that much like yeah on the on the margins yes on the margins on the margins yes. um yep. definitely an definitely an interesting one joanna have- jackson is suggesting the eckler to the vikings
1: yeah uh, well you, mean, you would right. um it's not you know not terrible not terrible um he's just so austin eckler just dynasty Asset, right? I mean, he's going to be cheapest as, as anything next year, right? you're Let's just say before he signs, right? And we're doing some startups. I mean, some of the teams I haven't earmarked for. I thought the Giants might bring him in. um I thought that the Texans would use him, but now you have to you also remember that Austin Eckler is going to transition to a different part of his career. Like the easy comparison is the James White thing, late career James White, where it's just more of a pass catching thing. But you know, it could be less. If you think he's dust, he could end up being like late career Reggie Bush, right? Which is fine. Remember Darren Sproles at the very end was okay. You were happy to have him. But at one, there was a point where Darren Sproles was like RB six overall for like three, four years. And then he goes into this, like, eh, stardom one week, not the other. So Austin Eckler, his age is there. When you listen to him on the podcast that he does, the fantasy football podcast, he sounds like a broken man as well. So yeah. there's a little body language thing going on with him. I mean, I'm interested in Austin Eckler. I mean, if you if you're a team that just loaded up on wide receivers and you and you and you like to buy veteran running backs at, at a cost that you're comfortable with, Austin Eckler now qualifies. He's the same to me that um, Leonard Fournette was a couple of years ago. Remember we were buying him. Yeah. And I, I'm under no false. It's a one year thing. Dalvin Cook last year. Um, was was this type of player where you could just put him in there? Joe Mixon's probably headed into that territory where you're just paying for one year. So whatever that price is that you're yeah.
0: Shout with. out to the shout out to the chat. Somebody's saying uh, Tajay Spears for Austin Eckler straight up. Who says no? No shot. You're making that that getting that trade done. The Tajay Spears uh, manager is not is not accepting that. Oh really? Um, I
1: was I was on the other side of it. So if, if you okay. can make that trade right, with so, me.
0: So then Allen Allen still on that on that side. <laughs> uh, to each his own. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, and when we get back, we're going to discuss a couple of players that are rising up uh, Dynasty ranks, maybe a players, a few players that are kind of a litmus test as to whether they, they are a stash or, or a sell. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Dynasty startup values, because Alan and I are disagreeing on a few players about where they should go in Dynasty startup. So stick with us here at Dynasty Life. We will be right back.
2: Oh, I see it every day online, every single day. Hey, that looks like a great fantasy team in an eight-team league. Oh, wish I could be in a league with you, right? Well, guess what? Now you can respond with, sure, let's play on Battle. That's the beauty of this platform. This new Battle platform standardizes all position scoring. So you just load your team, and you challenge your friend, your colleague, Twitter troll, and you can browse other teams and issue challenges. Battle.com. Is revolutionizing fantasy football. And with code underworld, you get a $100 instant deposit match plus a free $10. So even if you deposit 20, you get 50. Think about that. So go to bettle.com. The code is underworld. Bettle.com. The code is underworld. Or click a link in the description. It's fun to be right. Welcome back
0: to Dynasty Life. Shout out to the pod father for, for nailing the, the betal ad. That's that's a good one. Uh, I enjoyed that one. I rarely play the betal ad on, on my pods, so uh, I, I did like that one. Alan, are you a one-take guy on your on your ads or you, you like to like work on it?
1: I, I need to work on it. The pod father has a very special skill. He's one take Charlie. You know who else is like that? Uh, with one take Charlie is uh, Jim Coventry of Road If I give him something. He is one take Charlie. He's uh you know, he's a former English teacher, so he, he can digest a piece of, he can comprehend a piece of writing and then just regurgitate it. Good performer. Um, you know, we all hate. Uh, for me, with the videos, I've submitted videos to Player Profiler. Those are multiple takes, multiple. Like I hate the sound of my voice, but I was going to pay you a compliment. We've been um, doing this show now for about thirty minutes, and Theo, you have become a very polished host. You're very comfortable, and so maybe I, you know, maybe you're comfortable because it's me and that. But man, you are you are seamless. I've seen a um, just from a technical standpoint of hosting a show. Wow, what an improvement! You are the MIP in podcast hosting. I,
0: I I appreciate that. Does that I, I guess that means I was like really like rough around the edges a
2: while well, you ago. Were more, or is this- no,
1: no, you were more comfortable being a guest than you yes. were a host, and now you are. You've your acumen as a host is caught up to. I mean, listen, when I put you in the passenger seat, there's to me, there's like no better than having you appreciate in there. That. You could talk about anything uh, without notice. Is that like like I said, you're my you're on my personal Mount Rushmore, but. It's nice to see you add another skill to your toolbox. That's all. I, I appreciate that,
0: Alan. That, that means a lot coming from you because I, I know you crush it as, as a host and uh, you you get a lot of respect from, from everybody in, in the industry about your hosting skills, top notch. I uh, can't wait for, for next Friday, Son oh, of yeah, Truth, where you're, you're throwing out the, uh, the questions. But one guy that we are both way more bullish on than the father is Chase Brown. I mm-hmm. am... Uh, and I'll give another another shout out to to Scott Connor because Scott Connor this past summer was all about like Chase Brown, that's the one running back you want uh, in Cincinnati, um, you know if Joe Mixon goes down. and then there was all these weeks where we saw like literally nothing from it. and then it's like, okay, okay, here we are. And Chase Brown was a guy that I think a lot of like high stakes dynasty managers were betting on big time. like he was a fifth round draft pick. But if you look at like a lot of the ADP at like FFPC leagues, he was in non-superflex, he was like a second round lock. So people were really into the profile of a mega producer and also a, a guy who ran the 40 in like a 4 4 He had some wheels. Um, not a great senior bowl. And then falls to the fifth round, gets a nice landing spot. We had to wait pretty much all season. But the last two weeks have been incredibly... Uh, it, you know, in, inspiring watching him. He has explosiveness. He had a 30-yard run um two weeks ago, and it finished with like 61 rushing yards on like, I think it was only like nine carries. And then this past week goes over 100 combined yards, gets you over 80 on the ground. I think ends up like 115 yards. And he, ha- he broke off a, a really long screen pass a touchdown. 54, man,
1: a 54-yard screen pass. Looked good doing it.
0: Looked good, and it was mm-hmm. also one of the fastest plays of the season. I think he trails only DK Metcalf. I love the miles per hour uh, twenty-two. That right? Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. how we get that. Even with like prospects now, like I can look up a prospect and I'll see like their their highest miles per hour they hit. I love that. um That's a really good addition to, to fantasy football. It just sounds cool too to refer to guys in miles per hour. Mm. But Chase Brown is kind of a litmus test because some people look at a guy like Chase Brown and they say, this is a guy that I'm obviously going to sell. He's a fifth-round pick. He's a day-three guy. The, a lot of the day-three guys get dusted in value. Uh, he also kind of profiles a little bit like a committee back, so maybe he's topped out in terms of his, his profile. Then there's other people who say, no, I'm not there. I actually look at this as a Cincinnati could go with him as their leader in the backfield next year. Uh, Joe Mixon is aging. Maybe we see Chase Brown get a bunch of high-value touches. So where are you at on this litmus test? And is it more nuanced than that? Is this something where you say he could could go in a number of directions? What's your initial lean when a player like a
1: Chase Brown breaks out? So start with the draft capital. Draft capital with running backs means there's – I don't ever see it as a negative if they're a day three pick, right? That's just what – The only thing draft capital can influence me – is if they're a first round pick, then I'm like, okay, they are locked in for multiple years. They're going to get every opportunity to succeed. See, the downside with a, a day three pick like Chase Brown is two bad games, and he's he's out. They're not gonna they're not gonna stay with him. So that I guess. For, but as far as like if he can take if isaiah pacheco's happen all the time seventh round picks fifth round picks like the, this is where arian foster was undrafted he ended up being like one of the 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 number one overall pick you know 10 years ago and it just doesn't matter because the the league is not valuing running backs um as first round picks other than outside than some of the elites and then when they do take a first round running back everyone cr- criticizes them and critiques them anyway so the draft capital thing doesn't matter. You have to – if you calibrate your brain to say, okay, Chase Brown, now he showed something on an NFL field that was a spark, and now he has a chance to become the lead back and a committee on an offense we like. That's where your brain should be. Now, you have to put a value on that, right? Is it a sec- – you want to just all of a sudden give that away for a second-round rookie pick? I mean, if you don't – if you're not unsure that Chase Brown will be in your starting lineup next year or that he could produce for you – the best way to do it is sell them for a depressed veteran, okay? Like Marvin Mims, right? Didn't really produce how we all thought he would. So that's a great dynasty trade if you don't want to hold on to him. Now, the other side of it where I lean, where I, I think that you are with me, is that is the minute someone becomes valuable, you don't have to trade them off your roster yeah. to immediately cash in for a for a liquid pick, right? I mean, there is benefit in, in that process. Like I totally understand it, but Chase Brown could be in your lineup scoring points for you to try to make the playoffs and then eventually a fantasy championship. So I don't think anyone thinks that Chase Brown is going to be a workhorse running back um, with, you know, like Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. Like, no, he's going to probably his upside is probably 15 touches and a couple of catches and they add another running back if they don't bring back Joe Mixon. So. There's a floor here. There's a limited ceiling. But sometimes you make a good pick. Just keep them on your roster. Like, I, I'm very interested in having him on my roster. And in these deep leagues, we're running backs. You can't really, you know, no one wants to sell you a running back that's worth anything. I'm very happy to have Chase Brown, Theo.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a certain point where it's not really a gambling mentality. But it, in a sense, it is. Where I look at a guy like Chase Brown and I say, Okay. If I get a second round running back in this draft class coming up, I might not like them as much as Chase Brown. And I already probably spent a third or a second on him last year in a non-superflex league. So what am I cashing out for? On the flip side, there's there's a chance that he gets Michael carter in the in the offseason. There's a chance he gets Tyler Algiered in the offseason. But then there's a chance, like you said, where there's a lot of fantasy managers who who sold Isaiah Pacheco cheap last offseason who were just kicking themselves in the butt. Yeah. Um, and then there's you know a, a number of other uh, guys that we can name throughout running back as well as other positions where people basically sell the profile and then they're basically giving away uh, equity. I think he's very interesting. And I think another, in like a deeper sense, these backs kind of like Chase Brown and like Keaton Mitchell, these high-value touch, fast running backs who can catch the football have been very, very successful. Um, Obviously, Brown has more size than Keaton Mitchell. But in that sense, are are we more apt to keep these guys who maybe profile as committee backs because there are no bell cows and we're going to end up using these sort of guys in our lineup anyway? Um, Basically, that question to you, Alan, and also your outlook on Keaton Mitchell. Because I think I'm a little more bullish on Mitchell than some dynasty managers are at this point.
1: Yeah, Keaton Mitchell, to start with the end here, it's like a poor man's A-chain, right? Like he hasn't done it yet, and he's never going to be more than like a 7 to 11 touch player, but he can win you the week. So, yeah, this is somebody that you want on your roster. I mean, it those guys, the, he's still gettable now. A-chain is not, right? You're not going to really be able to to go out there and use like your your draft capital to go get A-chain. You're going to have to overpay because he's already shown that he can win you a week. Keaton Mitchell's not there yet. And as he becomes more comfortable in the offense and they understand what they have, then Keaton Mitchell could end up being like this, you know, uh, at some point next year, keep trade will have him as a top 12 running back, right? If he has a couple of good weeks. So I just want to just talk about some of the high profile free agents because this yeah, goes yeah. back to Stay Chase Brown, right? Chase Brown is going to get a backfield running mate. Keaton Mitchell is going to have a backfield running mate. It's just like, who is that backfield running mate? You don't want it to be Saquon Barkley or Derrick Henry. Like that's. Who I'll you give you. Mean.
0: I'll give you the backfield running back for running mate for for Keaton Mitchell next year will be Derrick Henry. I'll make okay. that prediction now in ink. Derrick Henry's a Raven. They tried to trade for him last off season. He takes over the Gus Edwards role. He's like Gus Edwards on like really 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 good steroids. Not Rich- just steroids
1: yeah like like Hulk Hogan level stuff like
0: the stuff you can't get from the guy on Long Island like the stuff (laughs) that you're having to go like to a doctor for in like some foreign country I I, listen I know some
1: shady heads on Long Island anything you you want man yeah delivered to your home just like uh, McDonald's man and uh but shout out to
0: Bev Francis power uh powerhouse gym the mecca of bodybuilding on the east coast best gym on Long Island
1: yep well there you go is that where you go no,
0: I don't, but I've been there. It's very it's great, a little far from my house.
1: Okay. So look look at Raheem Mostert's numbers. Take Raheem's name off the jersey. I mean, you could easily see that being Derrick Henry's Baltimore stat line next year, right? And then but there's room for someone like A chain. So there's gonna be a chan. So there's gonna be room for Keaton Mitchell. So Keaton Mitchell, the point I was gonna make, it actually benefits from having a could sorry could be benefit from having like a high profile guy because they're not going to want to run Derrick Henry into the ground there's going to be plenty to carve off for Mitchell whereas Chase Brown we want a lower profile guy we want someone like Clyde Edwards Hilaire we want Gus Edwards even DeAndre Swift or Deontay Foreman would be a nice little compliment to Chase Brown where you know it's going to be at least even split so Mitchell can still produce for you. I think he's going to be the more desired uh, long-term asset because he doesn't need a lot to do a lot. Whereas Chase Brown's probably going to need a little bit more volume. You're going to want 15 touches. Like when um, everyone was bullish on Damian Pierce, or not everyone. A lot of people were bullish on Damian Pierce last year. We were very happy when Devin Singletary signed there because Devin Singletary is not going to just take over. You know he's going to um, uh, uh, Pierce was going to get his his opportunity to to so roll with 15 touches. The the benefit of Mitchell is he doesn't need it, and if he gets it, meaning 15 plus, forget it. So I like Mitchell better than Chase Brown, but both of these guys are are not going to be expensive in startups. Um, they're going to be gettable in trades. Um, But, you know, they're going to be buzzy names if they uh, Mitchell probably already is Chase Brown. If he does it again, I think one more time, then he's going to start being buzzy right now. People are unsure. They're willing to trade him. And just think back to the Puka phenomenon. Everyone's like, all right, just sell him for a second round pick. Oh, wait. Sell him for two second round picks next week. Sell him for a first round pick. Wait, he's a top 12 wide receiver. So each week it gets more expensive. If you are in on Chase Brown, it is time to surrender your 2-8 for him, right? I mean, if you like him.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And, and one player I want to get your opinion on that I think is also a little bit polarizing just in terms of like everybody likes what they're getting from Jaden Reed. And this is mm-hmm. another guy that we were able to draft in like the second round, the third round. Over the last five weeks, he's wide receiver 12 on the season. Um, he has scored seven touchdowns this season, which is second among all rookies. And he has high draft capital to a second round guy. But I think people are kind of like a little bit confused by like the profile. It's getting a lot of low A dot looks and these manufactured running plays. Are you bullish on Jaden Reed long term? Or would this be a guy you're looking to cash out on, Alan? Kind of the in the royal sense, how are you evaluating Jaden Reed?
1: Yeah, I'm not a cash-out guy. When I have something, I hold on to it. I, I know that a lot of Sharp Dynasty players, the minute they get something, they just want to like cash it out and try again. It's like, dude, once you win at the blackjack table, take those winnings and leave the casino, right? Uh, Jaden Reed reminds me a lot of the the game that, uh Debo Samuel has you know I mean he's not built the exact same way but you're going to get rushing touchdown opportunities you're going to get I I see the low ADOT stuff as a good thing in PPR leagues he's going to get you know it's so obvious to see that he is going to be maybe not the quote alpha on the Green Bay Packers but he's probably going to be the Green Bay Pack Jaden Reed will go ahead of Christian Watson and redraft next year okay I mean I think that's like yeah that's not like a hot take or anything that's an obvious take. So, no, I do not want out. And if there's somebody in your league, and you're right, because he's not like the brand name, like flashy, doesn't have a little shine on him like Puka or, you know, we can go. It, JSN is probably going to be valued more than Jaden Reed. I think I want Jaden Reed more. And again, I was not no, no, on no. him. Don't go crazy.
0: But- Don't go crazy.
1: You don't you don't think you think you don't think oh, that give
0: JSN come give me JSN all day over over Jaden Reed. next.
1: Right. Year. And obviously the value is going to be JSN is going to have it. But what Tyler Lockett's going to be back there next year. DK Metcalf is still there. It's still a three you know receiver carve up there. I mean, yes, there's no tight end. And... I'll, I'll
0: say this. JSN leads Seattle in targets
1: next year. I feel I feel pretty strongly well, about that, that happens. Then my take is completely bogus then. But, yeah, I'm saying it's like if if you can get the right. Um, extra pieces like if uh, let me get let me put this at you here okay so who's i'm trying to think of like an how about drake london and Jaden reed or jsn you get the two for one here did i go did i give too much value there
0: no i I think that that's one i'll 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 take i'll take my chances with uh london and Jaden reed i get two outs two guys who could both return value as top 24 wide receivers next year i still would feel gross about it
1: i love jsn that much let me give you another one okay uh uh, Debo Samuel and Jaden Reed for JSN. So now I'm getting a little older. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll take, I I think I would take that one. Um, that's, uh,
0: you know, I like both of those trades. I think both of your trades were, were good because with Debo, I'm getting elite production right now. And then I would have a pivot to Jaden Reed and very strong production with Jaden Reed to give up an asset like Jason, like, yeah, both of those trades. I think, I, I think I'm doing Alan. One more draft structure.
1: One more draft structure for you. Okay. This one's a little more interesting. Okay. So you have JSN on one side and the other side are two young guys, uh, Rishi Rice and Jaden Reed.
0: That one, that one's about even, it depends on the team context for me. I'll say team
1: context. Okay. I would say you take the two young guys. I just have them all in one, one glop, you know, like JSN, Reed Rice. I mean, they're not that far apart. I guess I, you're seeing them as way farther apart. I, so. I
0: think. I think. I just see JSN as taking a big step forward in in year two. Um, shout out to the chat. The chat is lit. If everybody could smash the uh, the like button, make sure you subscribe to Player Profiler. Alan, I want to pivot over to another position. Yeah. We talked about some running backs. Talk about a wide receiver uh, as stashes versus cells. Where are you at on Jake Ferguson? Because I think there there's a big disconnect right now on year two tight end clearly athletic clearly has that dog in him and attached to a quarterback who continually elevates the tight ends around him Jake Ferguson is tight end eight on the season in PPR leagues right now he's in his second year and if we were ranking like our redraft tight ends for next year and we were ranking our dynasty tight ends for next year he would be nowhere near tight end eight um where are you at on on Jake Ferguson is he a screaming buy for you or is he a guy that this is it? This is kind of what he is. And the, the no step forward.
1: You maybe you're seeing like kind of a ceiling season. The problem is is that if you have J, if, if another team has Jake Ferguson, I mean they're starting him every week. You're not going to be able to get him because, like, hey, here's my second round rookie pick for Jake Ferguson. I, dude, I need a tight end to start every week. I I can't start. You know, uh, I'm not comfortable starting Kate Otten every week or, you know, Tanner Hudson. I've been forced into a couple of spots. So the pro- that's the problem with tight end. So Jake Ferguson can go one of two ways at this point. I think you and I agree. OK, so he can either continue to be like that every week's boring starter. And when I say boring, I mean like he's not, you know, he's not Sam Laporta. i, I like Jake Ferguson and and The fact that Dallas's offense is now like elevating all the pieces, Dak Prescott, that's good. Or could he be this one-year wonder that goes like the Austin Hooper route? And when I say that, remember Austin Hooper was tight end four or five one year, and then just kind of fades into the sunset. I think I've seen enough from Ferguson. I'm sure, just based on and and the willingness to use him. And Dak, man, was the entire market wrong on Dak? He was going in the ninth round of redraft single quarterback leagues. Yeah. He's well. He's back into the first round of dynasty superflex startups at age thirty plus at this point, right? I mean, it's going to happen, whether you agree with or not. That's you know another question here. So, I I think Ferguson is going to be a coveted asset here, and uh, it it can go wrong. There's no sure thing with him, right? Because it's just like, wow, you have to see it again for him to be cemented there. So, I think that you don't think that Jake Ferguson will be like tight end seven or eight in most rankings. I think like he's exactly where he's going to
0: end up. I See, I don't, I and I like him a lot, but I think that you find incredible value right now in the David Njoku, Evan Engram, Jake Ferguson kind of class of tight ends. Yeah. For that matter, I'm not even a big Dallas Goddard guy, but Dallas Goddard is going to get pushed down to a level where he's very attainable and he's attached to a high-end offense because you have the fact that Mark Andrews is not disappearing. Travis Kelsey is not disappearing. TJ Hawkinson is insulated as it gets. Then you get the incredible breakouts from McBride, LaPorta, Kincaid. And then you have Brock Bowers coming into the mix. Then you have the people for, who are Kyle Pitts. People are never going to quit that, that train. So you're basically going to create this tiers of, of tight ends where you're going to have so much value in dynasty startups in like that tight end 10 through 15 range. And that's usually a range where, you know, we talk about like tight end dead zones, that's usually a range you you want to kind of avoid and say I forget it I'm either going to go early or I'm going to go late because of all these landmines, yeah. but it's almost like a vintage time for the tight end position and I'm not even mentioning guys like Luke Musgrave, Michael Mayer, um you know, I, I'll George Kittle is not you know done by any means, so I think Ferguson, Schultz is is safe, and he's attached to C J Stroud. There's a bunch of guys right now, so I think Ferguson people are going to have a very difficult time. Valuing. And I think that sending a trade offer for him now, I don't think it's necessarily as much of a buy high as you think in terms of the value you're paying. I think a lot of managers would look at him, despite his year two uh, you know, profile, as a guy that, hey, maybe I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell here tight end eight. I don't know if we're ever gonna hit that again. So here's
1: a good Dynasty trade for, okay. So it might have to, when you're talking about Ferguson, and by the way, you're right, like the uh, the uh market right now is valuing him as a t- tight end nine, right? So that seems about right where the, but we're in a redraft draft state of mind right now. Uh, two points when I'm listening to you talk is that the first thought goes in my head is for the first time in a long time, we have actual real substantive sub, um tight end depth. We always think we have tight end depth because we like these Chica Conco guys. Oh my God, what a value, but we've never seen him do it. For the first time in a long time, tight end nine through fifteen are all guys that have actually done it before. There's just something that we don't trust that's pushing them out of that top five. Whether it's their age, so if you want to go to a dynasty manager that has like George Kittle, right? So that's an age trade, interposition age trade. You see them all the time. You know, you see like Tank Dell before he blows up for Mike Evans or Keenan Allen. That those type of trades happen in dynasty within position. So if you want to get, if you want to get younger or get out of younger for proven veteran, I think those are the type of trades you're going to have to make. So you're not going to be able to like give your pick for Jake Ferguson because that, that dynasty owner, he needs a tight end too, a tight end also. And it's the same thing in superflex. You can't, it's very rare. You can get a quarterback without giving one unless with very few exceptions. So you're going to have to uh, shed some of your tight end age to acquire him or, take on age to give him away in my judgment
0: yeah I think it's it's a super interesting one is there another stash a player that you're really looking to stash this offseason I know for me I love Tajay Spears it's very difficult for me to give him up because I think he has a path to not Rashad White it's not going to be RB4 not going to be RB2 but I think if he can avoid landmines in free agency and the NFL draft I think he could blow up in year two and give me like a like a uh running back 18, running back 20 type season that could be very, very helpful to me next year based on the cost that I paid for him. And then Marvin Mims, I think a lot of people are looking to kind of pay, maybe I was wrong kind of deal, but I think I'm still willing to pay for Marvin Mims because I believe so much in the profile. And I do think there's something to be said. Sean Payton was asked this week about, hey, is your offense kind of too complicated? Is that why you guys were so slow out the gate versus what we're seeing now? And he got very defensive about it, which makes me think when somebody gets super defensive, the guy was probably right. And I think this could be a situation where he trusts Marvin Mims a lot more in year two. And we do see that second year breakout. Um, I just can't quit him. Is there anybody for you, Alan, that kind of fits that role of a guy you're looking to uh, you know, stash as much as possible? And it could be a veteran as well.
1: Yeah, I think stash insinuates a little bit that they're available, right? I mean, or it's it's by it's always the the like dynasty principles always buy low on the second year receivers that didn't produce, right? So let's just, you know, that covers all of them. Uh even your three guys that you th- still think have talent. I mean, does Jamison Williams still like fit into this category? He hasn't fully broken out yet. He's gettable, right? If you're a George Pickens guy, Michael Wilson. Right, we all liked him coming out. He was—he's going to be in a, uh, an ascending player, so I think he's gettable. And if you're in superflex leagues, I, I'm going to take. Um, this is my like, my long shot guy. So when you talk about true stashes, I have been secretly trying to like get Hendon Hooker's throw-ins here. I'm—I'm I'm interested because somebody drafted him in the third round. They're kind of pissed that they didn't take Tank Dell or Puka, so I think he's gettable. And what happens if he has a nice off and then Jared Goff has an injury, right? There might not be any turning back at that point, right? Why can't he? The only reason he didn't get a chance in offseason because he was injured, right? Yeah. Now he's healthy. Now he's seen the system work. He's got a year. I know he's a little bit older, but I'm when you talk about a true stash, like a lottery ticket guy in our superflex leagues that could pan out. Jared Goff. I mean, he's fine. You know, he's functional in this offense. But a true stash—that—that's the player I'm trying to steal from other managers that I if I didn't take him.
0: I love it, Alan. And we're we're almost at an hour here. Okay. I wanna I wanna pick your brain on dynasty startup values, and I think it would just be cool if we go through here and actually do a dynasty startup uh, together, and we'll f- we kind of see where we where we start arguing. So let's say non superflex and these these are right around the corner, Alan. You get these like sicko early ones that are like gonna happen. You know, they're, there's gonna be like a dynasty startup like in January. Somebody's doing. Um, so, you know, I think these will be pretty, pretty static on these, on these rankings and we will include Marvin Harrison. You can, you can easily put him in here. So I'm going to say at the one Oh one, it's still Justin
1: Jefferson. Are you there? Yeah. So the only question I have for you is what if they say Kirk cousins is not going to be back until like week seven. I still
0: think it's Justin Jefferson. I think he's just safe and I've seen it for multiple seasons, even this season, his points per game average was way up there. He's just safe. Um I, I think his profile is so good and I think he'll come back very strong. Maybe it's not quite as much of a slam dunk as it was last year, but I'm still at the Justin Jefferson train. So
1: Yeah. So then okay, so I'm, you I'm go with the
0: You go with the 102.
1: Yeah, I mean Jamar Chase, right? Joe Burrow, he's he's connected to Joe Burrow for the rest of his life. Um you know, it's it's easy call and now he's producing with Jake Browning. So I think that's an easy call. With Chase, okay. So I'm I'm with you there. I think Chase is is easy, and then 103
0: we get to a little bit of a discussion. You could go so many ways with this. There's mm-hmm. been multiple wide receivers we could we could discuss, but for me, if I'm going at the 103, I'm I'm not going to change off of where I was last year. I think he's the chosen one. I think next year we both agreed that he's a lock first round redraft value, and that's Bijan Robinson. I'm still putting Bijan in at the 103. I think if there is a quarterback uh, improvement in Atlanta, which we would bet on, and there's a chance that there's going to be a head coaching change and the usage could be way more consistent. Now, lately, we've been getting the Bijan Robinson usage. I can't you know, hate on Arthur Smith like I did earlier in the year, but if you take a bird's eye view, it was very disappointing.
1: So I'm at Bijan at the 103. Would you disagree on that one? I'm not going to. I mean, he's definitely in the next tier of after the, the big two, but I just, I, game theory wise, I like the running backs that'll come back to me in round two or three. Uh, I don't like the wide receivers as much, but yeah, he's the next best dynasty asset isolated. Game theory wise, though, I, I'm still, I, Amon Ross St. Brown. That's my guy right there, right? I mean, he, he just had one down game in week 14. But other than that, man, there's never been a pillar of more consistency. Uh, I think the arrow is still pointing up for Amon Ross St. Brown. So I would take him as the fourth pick. So that's where we are going to differentiate.
0: And I'll, I'll say ARSB, I love Amon Ross St. Brown. But at the end of the day, what we've seen from C.D. Lamb this year and what we've seen from A.J. Brown this year, I think the ceiling is higher. The ages are relative. AJ Brown's a little bit older, um, but again, attached to Jalen Hurts. You also have the fact that the main thing that prevents me from putting Amon Ross St. Brown in like this is the fact that I might want Jameer Gibbs more in dynasty anyway. Right. And in tight end premium, how would I get a Sam Laporta in an FFPC dynasty league? I would have yeah. to trade you and Amon Ross St. Brown to get him. So, yeah. at the end of the day, I and there's dynasty managers at FFPC that are not making that trade. So, at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think he's a lock first rounder in redraft next year at a young age. He's been a consistent guy. But for me at the 104, I'm going to butt heads with you. Yeah. I'm going to go with CD Lamb. I think it's just been an alpha. Well, you
1: can't take him at 104 because I just took him at 104. So, you well, have
0: you to took take him on C- Ross St. Brown at 104.
1: Right. So, you have to take CD at 105. Oh, it's because we're doing it combined.
0: Okay, cool. All right. So, so, you're I'm on route the 104 and then Lamb at the 105. Now, 106, Alan, which way are you going? And I'll say, does this just auto pick AJ Brown or are you looking to discuss another position?
1: Yeah, I think that it's either AJ Brown or Christian McCaffrey. Now, again, you say it's probably AJ Brown because of the wide receiver thing that I talked about, but I have no problem. It, it's McCaffrey's what? He's going to be age 28. Yeah, he's 27 and a half right now. He'll be age 28 this year. So, let's. Just remember the object of the game is to win. I- I'm still taking AJ Brown at only 26 and a half years old, right? That makes uh that's the easy call. That's why I'm taking you over, like, say, like an older wide receiver that's at the peak of his powers right now. No table talk, right? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> an
0: that's an interesting one because yeah. I had this conversation with our friend Scott Bollinger, Jax Falcone about you know the the running back position and and Anthony in the chat here brings up Tyree Kill. And I think yeah. the Tyree Kill of, of running backs is Christian McCaffrey. And those two guys are they'll go next. They'll go they're, next. They're yeah. they're they're close in here. But for me, so you you took AJB at the one oh at the one oh six. And for me, one oh seven though, for me, my the running back that I really want to get in dynasty startups is Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, you're telling well, me fine. I'm gonna have Jameer Gibbs for, for five years of and I think that's I with his profile, he actually leads the NFL and runs over 20 yards this year. Um and We've seen all we need to see out of his receiving ability, the draft capital. I already said that I would take him. You know, he's my RB two in dynasty, despite the fact that I think Christian McCaffrey is going to outscore him next year. Father Time is undefeated when it comes to these running backs. As much as Christian McCaffrey is this freak, I'm going Gibbs at the 107. What would it, you think? That's a terrible pick, or you? No, on?
1: no, of course not. He's going to go in the next few picks anyway. It's just that it's. It's a scary proposition to say my dynasty team rock. My pillar is the running back. That's probably not even the lead back on his own team for the least next year. I mean, everything can change year to year. So that would be why I wouldn't do it, but I have no problem with it. He's definitely the, my RB two in dynasty. I have, you know, RB three, depending on how you feel about McCaffrey, but it's just, when you're making your first pick, you want no question marks, right? You want upside, you want floor, you want it all. And that that goes back to, you know, uh, our, our discussion earlier, rewind the tape um, on, a, on a few other players. So, yeah, no problem there with it. Uh, the next pick for me, uh, eight, I'm up to pick eight, right, Theo? Yes. It's Tyreek Hill. Now, there's younger players with, uh, that probably you're going to be in the NFL after Tyreek Hill is gone, but – The name of the game is winning. Tyreek Hill looks better than he did five years ago. So at 108, let's play some dynasty for the next two years. My next pick, either you're going to love it or you're
0: going to hate it. Christian McCaffrey is still on the board. No problem. But I am going to go with Marvin Harrison Jr. First round. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. Is about as good as I've ever seen at the wide receiver position. And I realized this year, some people say, you know, his season was equal to Malik neighbors and, you know, maybe not, not quite as, as good as they thought it would be. But I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the truth. I'm going to get a chance to get a next level player and being able to weigh that a guy that we've never seen in the league against uh, Christian McCaffrey, who will be 28 years old, who I think in redraft, I'm taking him at the 101. but dynasty here, give me Marvin Harrison Jr. So we're at the, uh, we're at the 110, Alan. Just to recap it, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Bijan Robinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, C D Lamb, AJ Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Tyree Kill, Marvin Harrison Jr. We are at the
1: 110, Alan. Which way are you going? Just quickly, if okay. um if Marvin Harrison lands um where you don't love it, like say in Chicago with Justin Fields, will you still take him as a first round pick? Yes. Okay. I think that
0: he's he's situation averse. He's he's incredible. And uh yeah, I I feel like whatever offense he goes to, like I would hate that because uh, you know DJ Moore would limit his upside in year one, but he'd you still see, he'd still be a high draft pick and he'd still produce. He's still just that good.
1: Yeah, I see um Clay in there. Dynasty trades and five said he would take Marvin Harrison in the top five. I I guess no problem yeah. with it. It's just that I'm I, I'm I've been burned by the whole trade Lance thing. Like oh my, I'm not going <laughs> to take him yeah. over. Alan, you keep bringing up trade Lance. You Can't bring up
0: trade Lance for Marvin Harrison Jr. You can bring well, him up for a quarterback. Now I, it's I was bringing up like a like 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 uh okay, like McCarthy at Michigan. Like if I bring up McCarthy, like you can bring up a Trey Lance, you know, where McCarthy might be a riser cuz he can run and he's young. But you can't come on Marvin Harrison I, Jr. I'm, you're you're
1: not you're not remembering when, right? Let's remember when. What did they, what did Tony Soprano say? Remember when's the lowest form of he conversation. This is the lowest form of conversation. Right. And you're trying to re- do it. It's relevant here. Remember when and remember what we thought of Trey Lance. If you were on the positive side, you're like, this player is the next RG three plus, 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 plus. So listen, first round, the idea is not to screw up in the first round of a dynasty. Uh, and, and listen, Marvin Harrison could be, you you need him to be Calvin Johnson. You need him to be Julio Jones. If you take him in the, in the top five, right? Like anything less than that, you made the wrong pick at this point oh. of the draft.
0: Go Alan, ahead. we got to rip through this. We're at a, right, an right. hour seven. I could do this with you for like two and a half hours, and I yes. think we need to do this again sometime very soon. Yeah, uh, I'm. Um, I'm, okay, so uh, we're at I'm. The one ten. Which way well, you going Ga-
1: to go? Garrett Wilson. I mean, it's easy call for me. You know, all the all the reasons that he produced with, without any quarterback play this year. You're up on one eleven.
0: Okay, so at the one eleven, now I'm okay. I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to get to the one eleven, and I'm going to say, you know what? You guys are asking me to do it. Okay, I guess I'm going to get the money this year. I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey, and it changes the way my team looks. But I have a guy where I'm going to have 30 points a game, 25 points a game. And I actually think that we're going to be so excited about that 49ers offense next year with Brock Purdy having another year under center. Like last year, we had quarterback questions in Dynasty startups with McCaffrey as well. Nothing. He's there. I, I'm going to I'm gonna take the old guy, and I'm going to bank the points in year one at this point. And
1: I'm, a, I'm win now because of this. Yeah. Which
0: way are you going to go here? The one twelve final pick of the first round.
1: Yeah, the double tap on the end for me is going to be uh, Sam Laporta and Brees Hall. That's the double tap.
0: I love it. So you get the you get the the RB one who some people would say to take him higher in this, and then you get the the tight end one in Dynasty. So I like I like your strategy and you're sort of a between a win now and a and a and a team that's still building for the future with that build too. So I love it, Alan. I say we do this again. And I say we do a three rounder. Uh, sometime right after the new year, right here on Dynasty Life.
1: Yeah, the, absolutely. And somebody had asked in the chat real quick, uh, favorite Little Debbie's product. I mean, everyone knows the Nutty Bars are the best. I honestly could not name a
0: Little Debbie product. Well, I then I you wall- haven't shot many
1: gas stations in your life. I'm
0: not, I'm not yeah, not a gas station, not a gas station eater. Um, But you know, big uh, big shout out to everybody uh, checking in Dynasty Life today. Hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to Player Profiler. Uh, Check out all of Alan's work at Rotawire, and then tune in next Friday. Alan is going to be joining me uh, and and the podfather for a Sonic Truth. Uh, We're going to go a lot longer than this. And then on Dynasty Life next week, I have our friend Memphis Young of the Dynasty Warzone. Check out our other Dynasty content here at Player Profiler. We have Sonic Truth, Dynasty Podcast, Dynasty Life. Uh, We also have the Dynasty Roundtable, The Undrafted with Jax Falcone in our podcast feed. A lot of Dynasty content from the GOAT District. Uh, one of our programming partners. I, uh, I'm, Oh, and the Dynasty Warzone. How could I forget? One of my favorite Dynasty shows around. Mine I'm going to have the chance to talk it up with, with Randy next week. If you enjoyed my discussion with Alan, you're going to love my discussion with Randy uh, Memphis Young next week. Guys, let's crush it. Let's have a really, really positive. This is week 15. Win or go home. It's time to win some leagues. It's time to make some money. Uh, and stick with us here at Player Profiler. We got you covered all throughout the postseason, with our shows. Check out my articles on playerprofiler.com. And uh, yeah, check out this guy, Alan Cieslowski, because he runs Pure. Have a great rest of your day.
2: Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business.